Well, thanks, guys. Speaking of hair, I don't know about you, but I think Pastor Gary should actually go for the do. What do you guys think? Well, my name is Greg. I am one of the pastors here. And I just got to say, it feels pretty good wearing pants with a belt on right now. It's been a while. We've been in quarantine for over a month now. I don't know how you guys are doing, but I know quarantine can make people get kind of crazy, do silly things. And so I thought a fun way to open up the message today was to show you a video that someone posted online of what quarantine makes people do. Check out this video as we get our, our message started. Thank you for coming, Chin Chin, Chin Chin, Chin Chin. Thank you, Chin Chin guys, Chin Chin, Chin Chin, Chin Chin. So quarantine makes people do crazy things. It really does. It changes our behavior in a lot of ways, doesn't it? You know, last week we celebrated Easter, and it was the celebration where we celebrated Jesus breaking out of the grave. He broke free from that tomb, and here we are, still in lockdown. I don't know if anybody finds that ironic. Jesus proved that lockdowns don't impede him. The, the Romans tried to lock him down in that grave, rolled a stone over that tomb, and yet Jesus broke out of the grave clothes, broke out of the tomb, and here we are in lockdown. Well, speaking of irony, has anyone ever thought of the disciples? Where were the disciples after Jesus resurrected from the grave? I don't know if you find it ironic, but the disciples were in lockdown. They were locked inside of a room. They locked themselves in their room. It, it was a self-imposed lockdown. And yet Jesus, once again, again is proving to us that, that he is not hindered by lockdowns, because what does Jesus do? He appears inside that room right before the disciples' eyes, and he appears to them, and out of all the things he could have given them, he wanted to come and give them peace. He rose from the dead to come to give them the gospel 
of peace. I want to show you today how more than anything, God wants to give us peace during this lockdown. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to turn with me to John chapter 20. I want to open up in a time of prayer, and then I want to show you how this scripture is so timely and meaningful for us here following Easter 2020, just as meaningful and timely as it was for the disciples following Easter 33 AD. Would you guys, would you guys join me in prayer, and let's come before God. And so, Lord, we pray that right now, God, you would show us that your word is alive, that it is living and breathing, that it speaks, not just to people in ancient times, but it speaks to us today, God. Lord, I don't know where all my friends, my brothers and sisters are and what they're feeling and going through, but Lord, I pray that for every single person listening right now, your word would minister deep within our souls. God, I pray that you would take my mouth and you would use it for your purposes and for your glory. I pray that you would take every one of our hearts and you would mold it and transform it for your glory. So, Lord, we give you our hearts and our minds. Help us to stay attentive during this whole time. Help us to refrain from getting up and going to this room or that room. Help us to just stay put and sit in your presence, God, so that you can speak. Here are our hearts and here are our minds. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 20 today. And this is the story right after the resurrection. John, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Let me just read you the first couple verses, starting in verse 19. And it says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Circle those four words. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. One of the first observations I want to share with you from John chapter 20 is this. You might want to write this down somewhere. But the first observation is this. The presence of Jesus produces an inward peace. The presence of Jesus produces an inward peace. Right, because here, here are the disciples, and I don't know what you guys are feeling during this quarantine, during this lockdown, but the disciples had all kinds of emotions going on inside of them. They're terrified. They're uncertain about their future. They're concerned about their safety. They're anxious about their livelihood, and so they're locked in this room. They know that if they go back out there, they could get killed, just like their master Jesus got killed. And so they're locked up in fear, and here they are in this room, and Jesus, who had risen from the dead, appears to them in the room. And what is the first thing out of Jesus' mouth to his disciples? What's the first thing he said? He said to them, peace be with you. Those four words you circled, peace be with you, those were the priorities of Jesus. That was the priority, to fill them with an inward peace. Well, that's great, Jesus. You have a great heart and you have really good intentions. But how in the world are they truly going to experience peace in a time like this? Well, Jesus proceeds to show them his hands 
And he shows them the scars in his hands and the scars in his side. And the scripture says, and that did it. Like right then and there, after they see his scars, it says they were filled with gladness, for they saw the Lord. That did it for them. Why? What was it about these scars? Well, the scars in his hands and his side was evidence that Jesus is real. And that is good news. These scars are proving that Jesus did die just like he said he would. And Jesus did rise just like he said he would. And he is there for them and with them just like he said he would be. That's good news. And not only were these scars proving to them his existence and proving the validity of everything he's ever said, these scars were also proving to them that he does love them. That Jesus was sent from heaven to earth for God so loved the world. That's good news. That's the gospel. And gospel can be translated in the Greek, euangelion. That means good news. This is the good news of the gospel. See, God is not dead. He is surely alive. He is alive and well. And the presence of Jesus with them in that room provided a powerful peace. I'm telling you, friends, when you experience the presence of Jesus, you will experience an inward peace. And I'm willing to say that the experience of Jesus is what got those disciples through their lockdown. Now, there were times this past week I would have loved for Jesus to conveniently just show up in my house. Those moments when I wanted to yell at the kids or when I was getting impatient with my wife or I'm thinking about the future of our church, there are times it would have been really nice if Jesus just showed up and showed me his scars and reminded me of what he's done and who he is. And that would have, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it would have put me in my place and given me proper perspective. That would have been very helpful to be reminded of good news in those moments of crisis. But I, I realize you and I, we don't, we don't have that luxury of having Jesus just show up in our living rooms in the flesh to remind us of good news. I'm, re I'm reminded that we don't have what the disciples had that very first Easter week. But let me say this. We may not have the hands and, and the scars in front of us to remind us of good news. But friends, we have his words and his breath right in front of us to remind us of good news. We might not have Jesus in the flesh to stare at, but we have Jesus through his words to, to gaze at. And if we would just gaze into his word, we will find ourselves truly staring straight at Jesus and his good news. And, and this good news has the same power to fill you and to fill me with gladness and peace, just like it filled the disciples there during their lockdown. Experience the peace and the presence of Jesus and his peace will be with you. Now, here's where we get practical. I want to ask you a question, and I want to challenge you to really think honestly about, about your life right now. How many of you would say that your daily devotional life looks exactly like it should look? In other words, how many of you would say, yeah, I'm spending time in the Word of God, staring into it as often as I should, or I'm sitting in the presence of Christ praying 
and communing and talking with him as much as I know I should. And I'm willing to guess that for most of us, the answer would be no. No, it's not anything like it, it should be. And I don't say that out of condemnation. I speak out of conviction because I can speak for myself. I can speak for myself that, that it is not nearly where it should be, right? The goal for myself at the beginning of this year, 2020, was that I was going to read through the entire Bible and I was going to up my devotional life each day and I was going to spend time with Jesus, like quality time. And I was going to spend time quietly sitting in prayer, not just praying throughout the day, which is good, but I was going to sit time in quiet prayer, writing out all my prayers. But if any of you are like me, life happens, doesn't it? And the busyness of life always seems to convince us and it convinces me, I just don't have time to spend quality devotional time with the Lord. I mean, I got kids. I got work to go to. I got sermons to prepare. I got church events. I got ministry events. I, I got meals to cook. I have, you know, little league to take my kids to. I got basketball league. I got ballet lessons. I got violin lessons we got to usher our kids to. We got family gatherings. We got friends gatherings. We got life groups. We got, we got the gym to go to. We, we have a car to wash. We have video games to play. I just don't have time to sit with the Lord in his word and in prayer. I just don't have time. I don't know if that's what you've told yourself. I've told myself that. But then, lockdown happened to all of us. And so we're all in the same boat here. And when lockdown happened, for the vast majority of us, we do have time. We do have time. And that's not to say you're not still working, because I know a lot of us, we're still going to work, or we're working from home. And that's not to say we don't have things, important things, in the house to do, because I know we do. But the reality here is, if we would just be honest with ourselves, our schedules have opened up. If we're not no, no longer going to sports events and our kids' activities, if I don't have time to go shopping for fun, if I don't have time to go to surf at the beach or hit the gym, if I'm not able to go to the car wash or get a haircut, there's so many things in our schedule that have been cut out. And for the vast majority of us, we do have the time. So if it's true, if that's true of your life, as it is for mine, if we have less activities, and a little bit more time in our schedules. I have to ask this. Now that you have time, how has your daily devotional life, spending time with God, how has it developed? How well are you practicing the presence of Jesus? And once again, I don't say that in condemnation. I, I, I'm, I'm speaking in conviction because I'll be the first to admit that when I started working from home in a ton of activities in our family's life got cut out and our schedule opened up a lot. My daily devotion with God didn't change. It didn't change, at least not initially. And it took some time in this lockdown, about two weeks into it, for me to realize this significant truth, that the lack of time in the day is not the issue. It's the lack of intentionality in my heart. 
I'll say that again. It's not the lack of time in the day that's the issue. It's the lack of intention in my heart. Because I realized for myself, I could have all the time in the world. I could be a castaway on an island with nothing but a volleyball and time, and I'll still somehow manage to fill the day. I'll still manage to see the day go by without having sat in the presence of Jesus and given adequate time to the Word of God. So it's not lack of time in the day. It's the intentionality of my heart. So I want to urge you, church, I urge you, friends, don't waste your lockdown. Don't waste this lockdown. Because right now, we are in a position. We, we are in a position right now to experience the powerful peace of Jesus. When will we ever, in our lifetimes, experience something like this again? We, we have the ability and opportunity right now to experience such a powerful piece of Jesus that once those doors open up again, we can find ourselves so rooted and so established in the gospel and so empowered to then go out and give our lives, lay our lives on the lines for the cause of Christ. We become so familiar and so convinced of the gospel of Christ that we would go and give our lives at all costs to make Jesus known. How can I be so bold to say that? Well, because I look at the disciples and that's exactly what happened to the disciples during their lockdown. When they saw Jesus and they saw the evidence of his scars and they were in the presence of Jesus, they saw the gospel before like never before. It was the very thing that got them through that lockdown. It radically changed them and prepared them to now go and re-enter the world. Will there ever be a more opportune time for us than now to practice the presence of Christ? While the world out there is frightening and the emotions inside us are tumultuous and the world around us is on lockdown and the time is available is there ever a more opportune time? Because I'm afraid if we don't practice the presence of Jesus now, when we most need him and we're most able to, then what, what's it going to look like once those doors open? What will our devotional life look like once life gets busy again and everything goes back to normal? See, the good news is this lockdown won't last forever. We praise God for that. But in a sense, the bad news is this lockdown won't last forever. And I say bad news in the sense that we may miss this opportunity, this lockdown to sit and spend time in his presence and develop that discipline and practice his presence. And I'm afraid we might waste the lockdown, so I urge you, church, don't waste your lockdown, leverage your lockdown. There's an intimacy with Jesus and a peace so precious that we can experience right here, right now, when we need him most. You know, I'm reminded of these, these missionaries in South Korea. About 22 missionaries from South Korea went to Afghanistan. If you remember the news in 2007, this made big, big news because they were captured by an Islamic terrorist group, the Taliban. And they, their lives were threatened for spreading the gospel. In fact, the Taliban was serious. They, 
actually ended up martyring and killing two of the male members of the team. One was a pastor just about my age. And yet when South Korea was able to finally negotiate the group's release, they were set free and sent back to Seoul, South Korea. And I remember Francis Chan was uh, sharing a story of how he actually got to meet some of these missionaries. And he was sharing the story of how when he was talking to the pastor, the pastor was saying that some of the freed members of their team who made it back to South Korea would every once in a while come back and talk about how sometimes they wish they were back in captivity. Sometimes they wish they were back imprisoned by the Taliban. The pastor said this. He said that, that some members would come to me and say, Pastor, don't you wish we were still imprisoned in Afghanistan? When we were surrounded by these soldiers, I felt the presence of Jesus there with me. Now that we're back in Seoul, sometimes I would rather be back there because of the intimacy I had with Jesus. It's like that's all they had. Jesus was everything. That's all they had to cling to. And there was this intimacy in the most desperate moments. It reminds me of a conversation I had with just a friend recently. We were talking about just how we're doing spiritually. And he was recollecting how he had never been so on fire as when he was in prison. Locked up in prison, he says he had never been so on fire, never been so immersed in God's word, never ministered to so many people as when he was in prison. Why? Because Jesus was all he had. Jesus was everything, like nothing else mattered. It was always about just being in the presence of Jesus. There was an intimacy there. I believe that sometimes God allows us to experience desperation in life when it causes us to be desperate for him. I think that's the grace of God. And perhaps this lockdown is God creating opportunity and he's creating space and a time for us to gaze into his word, to sit at his feet, to look at the evidence of his love, to realize the truth of the gospel and to experience his, his peace. And so that's what I see when you experience the presence of Jesus. It produces an inward peace. Now I want to go back to John chapter 20 because here's the second observation I want to make. Write this down somewhere. Inward peace produces an outward peace. Inward peace produces an outward peace. Right, because going back to that room, they're here locked in the room. Jesus is there, and he says the very first words out of his mouth, peace be with you, right? So my question is, what's the second thing Jesus says? What are the next words out of his mouth? Well, look at verse 21. We go on. It says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Circle those four words. He says it again. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive, circle that word forgive, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So the very second thing that Jesus says was the very same thing as the first thing he says. Peace be with you. 
And what Jesus is saying, now that you have this gospel peace, this inward peace, he says, now I'm going to send you out in the power of the Spirit. And when you go out, peace will be with you. And when you go out, you're going to be messengers of forgiveness. You're going to bring forgiveness to people. Specifically, what Jesus is saying is you will bring the gospel of peace with you. You're going to bring this message of forgiveness. As Paul calls us, we are ministers of reconciliation, vessels of the gospel of peace. And that's what Jesus is saying right here to disciples. You're going to go and you're going to bring this message out. But here's the thing. If we're going to go and declare forgiveness and peace, we have to display forgiveness and peace. If we're going to declare forgiveness and peace, we have to display forgiveness and peace. So last week, it was Easter morning, Sunday morning, and before tuning in online with my family for Easter, I went out to get some fresh air, went for a little bike ride. And if you're from the South Bay area, Sunday mornings are, are, are the mornings when a lot of these guys would, would drive around in their classic cars and their hot rods and their, their weekend cars. And um, I remember I was just riding my bike alongside the road, and this car passed by me. And I'm not a big car guy, but, but this car was a beautiful hot rod. And I, I just remember thinking, man, he did a really good job on that car. He just drove by me. He was probably a guy in his 60s. His wife was in, in the passenger seat. The top was down. And then about maybe like five minutes later, I see them coming back down the opposite side of the road. I'm like, oh, there's that nice car again. And as he drives by the road, and right as he passes me, he stops, and he hangs out the side of his car, and he flips me his finger, and he goes, hey, bleep you. And then he just drives off. And I was like, what in the world did I do to deserve your finger and you cussing me out? I was totally minding my business. And I have to be honest with you, in that moment, this anger filled me. Because I began to think, maybe it's not anything I did, maybe it's how I look. And maybe this quarantine thing is making people crazy and act in, in, in really irrational behaviors. If I could be very honest with you, I, I was so angry. I looked down at the sidewalk, and next to it was this little garden, and there were these stones, these rocks. And I, I, I just felt, man, if he comes back again, and he turns around, and he comes my way again, and he cusses me out again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to act biblically. Like David, you know, the, the man after God's heart, and I just need one stone. That's all it's going to take. And I'm going to sling it into the enemy's beautiful heart rod. Just, just come back. And, and, and these were my thoughts. And, and I, I kid you not, I kept looking over my head at least five times, almost hoping he would come back. That's how angry I was. And I was looking for this opportunity for his hot rod to drive right by me. I felt like the Holy Spirit kept speaking to my heart. Like the Holy Spirit kept speaking to me. And it's as if the Holy Spirit were saying to me, Greg, if he comes by again, I want you to kill him with kindness. Show him the undeserved grace of Christ. Show him Christ-like kindness. 
And I'm not saying that because this makes for a nice little sermon illustration. He was literally reminding me specifically of a message I preached last summer talking about overcoming evil with kindness. I I spoke from Romans 12, and here's what Romans 12 says. In verse 17 through 19, Paul urges us, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. There's that P word, circle that word. Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. What's our job? Well, he goes down in verse 21. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so what Paul is urging Christians in this passage is be at peace with everyone. Even those who don't want to be at peace with you, as long as it is up to you, be at peace with everyone. Even when they don't deserve your kindness, show them kindness. Even when they don't deserve your grace, show them grace. And that kind of grace can only come, I believe, from a gospel-produced peace. If there's an opportunity for the gospel to produce in us peace and to help us to grow in grace, I I really believe it's in the times when those around us don't deserve it. It's in the times when the people around us are crazy or they're stressed or they're anxious or they're high-strung or they're worried or they're frustrated or they're afraid. And when the people around us act mean or act irrational or act unjustified and they're short-tempered, kind of in times like these, kind of like right now. And I'm willing to bet for so many of you who are listening, in your own surroundings each day, there's probably a lot of people around you that can really use a display of forgiveness and peace. Maybe your spouse, for all these years you've been married, has had a full-time job, or maybe you've had a full-time job, nine to five, and so every single day you guys kind of have your space, and all of a sudden now with lockdown, now it's 24-7, you're in each other's face. And all of a sudden, more than ever, this lockdown is exposing your differences, the differences in how you parent, the differences in how you keep the house, differences in how you cook, the differences in how you make your schedule and how you clean. And all of a sudden, there's tension and fights are breaking out in your homes. Or maybe for you, it's, it's your, your kid who all of a sudden overnight has become your math student and your science student and your history student, and your spelling student, and your violin student, and your piano student, and your PE student, and you never signed up to be a teacher, but all of a sudden you are, and it's driving you crazy. And they test your patience every single day, right? Hypothetically speaking, I wouldn't know. But maybe it's, it's your kids. Maybe it's your workplace, because you still got to go to work at the grocery store, or maybe you work at the pharmacy, or you still got to go into the bank, or maybe you work at the hospital, and it's almost like every day, it's, it's becoming harder and harder to deal with people, 
just because of the circumstances that this quarantine has created and the behaviors that this lockdown is bringing out of people. And it's like, man, tensions can be so high. And if there's ever a time for us, the church, to display the gospel of peace and show undeserved forgiveness, I want to say it's now. It's now. And now here's where we come full circle. I want to bring it back to our first point. I I heard a devotional from Pastor Wayne Cordero recently where he says, wisdom isn't built in a day. Wisdom is built daily, right? You don't just get it all of a sudden. And I want to say in the same way, peace isn't developed in a day. Peace is developed daily. So where in the world are we going to see this power to be able to show undeserved forgiveness and grace? I want to say it comes when we continually gaze at Jesus and we're reminded of good news. And we come face to face with the gospel and we spend time in the presence of Jesus. Then we will experience what Jesus said, peace will be with you. Because when we look intently and we're reminded of these scars and we're reminded I didn't deserve his forgiveness, I didn't deserve his patience. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his mercy. I don't deserve life. I don't deserve eternity. I don't deserve heaven as my home. And yet he still came and made peace with me. That's good news. That's the gospel. And so how can I not declare and display his peace and offer forgiveness to those around me? And so let's develop this conviction daily as we sit in his presence. Friends, I know tensions are high right now. And I know this message isn't new. But the message of grace and peace may not be the most profound message right now. But perhaps by the Spirit of God, it's the most punctual message right now. Maybe it's the most punctual punctual message some of us need to hear. And God may be reminding you as he's often reminded me this week, that the time to be a vessel of the gospel of peace is now, today. And as Paul urged us in Romans 12, as far as it is up to you, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because that's why Jesus came back from the grave. He came back from the dead so that peace may be with you, that it would be in you, and that it would come out of you. Let's pray. As you bow your heads, uh, wherever you are, maybe in your living room right now, maybe watching from your phone, I want to lead you into prayer, and I want to challenge you to make at least one of two commitments. And the first is a commitment to just spend time devoting yourself to the Lord daily. And if you want to make a commitment to God again, it's the intention of the heart more than anything, and maybe we just don't have that intention. Let's ask God for that heart. Pray something like this. Father God, I realize how important it is to spend time at your feet, to spend quality time in your word gazing at Jesus being reminded of good news. 
Lord, I desire that peace. And Lord, I, I want to spend time talking to you and giving to you all my fears and anxieties and concerns and worries and whatever emotion I feel, Lord, I want to talk to you more. So help me, God. Create in me that desire, that hunger for more of you. And help me to leverage this lockdown. That as long as we are here, help me to to use it well and not waste it. Equip me and prepare me to re-enter the world when the doors are open again. The second thing I want to challenge you to commit to is to offer peace and forgiveness to anybody who needs it from you right now. And maybe right now the Holy Spirit is putting a, a name on your mind and you, you already know who it is. Or maybe it's going to be tomorrow or next week. Maybe it's that person at, in the Costco line. Maybe it's that person on the road. Maybe it's that guy in the hot rod. But commit to being a vessel of the gospel of peace and forgiveness. Pray something like this. Father God, I pray that you help me to not only declare your gospel of peace, but help me display the gospel of peace. Help me not just to talk about it. Help me to look like it. And Lord, give me the strength and the courage and the help I need to be able to offer undeserved kindness, to forgive and to make peace with even those that don't want any peace with me. Help me to represent Christ. Give me the strength to be a minister of reconciliation. And I pray that you would help me overcome evil with with kindness so that Christ would be seen and exalted. And so, Father God, I pray for, for every ear listening, every woman, men, child, believer, non believer. Lord, I pray that your your words would continue to live and be alive in us. Lord, maybe if this word doesn't mean anything to us right now, God, hide it deep in our hearts so that maybe in a week or two or maybe in a month or a year, when we need it most, Lord, that you would remind us of your truth, Lord. So seal it in our hearts. We love you. We worship you. Thank you for your peace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.